I'm Roy Van. I'm Director of Brand Partnerships at iHeartMedia. Uh, what I do is I help people fall in love with brands and I help brands connect with their audience. Welcome to the Careerfluencer Podcast, the place to feel inspired, get advice, and everything you need to kickstart your career growth. Question is, are you ready? Hi, you're listening to episode two of the Careerfluencer Podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is Cynthia Heisch. I'm the CEO and founder of Careerfluencer and your host. We've got Roy as our very first guest. So special thanks to him and listen, y'all, I'll tell you what, if you need a dose of motivation, inspiration, and ideas for how to grow your career, then you won't want to miss this episode. Roy has such a go-getter mindset and I can't wait for y'all to hear everything he did to get to where he is today. It is quite the story. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, so Roy, welcome to the Career Fluencer Podcast. So excited to have you on as the very first official guest. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yes. Woohoo. So, starting off, you know, when you think about your career, you've done so many things, and we can dig into that. But what kept you motivated? throughout all of that? Uh, for me personally, I think my motivation has been something that's been very individualized uh, for a long time. And that happens to be from the background that I come from. So I come from a background that we didn't really have much growing up. A single mother household, multiple siblings, small dwelling. And I actually went to school with some kids who were a little bit more privileged than I was. So I was able to see some things that I didn't have and know that I wanted them. And uh, that not just being material things, but just a lifestyle that I know that I wanted to live. And so being able to see that, uh, I started to take steps early on in my life to prepare myself to uh, reach heights of that former generations of my family had not reached. And that's something that still motivates me today. So, and that's awesome. I mean, and I think a lot of people can relate to that kind of background of thinking like, you know, I grew up in maybe this sort of situation, but I want to create a better future for myself and for my future family and beyond even. So my question is when you were talking about you prepared and like did things maybe differently and had a different sort of mindset, can you tell us about that? Like. What exactly did that look like for you? Well, early on, it started off really macro. It started that, like, I just want to have all the things that people who you see who have a great life have, whether that be the nice car, the nice house, uh, the leisure and, and time to do the things that you, you love doing. I think that's where it started, but then it, it quickly um, got more narrow as as time went on. So one of the best things that I ever did was I took a time management class my first semester at UTA and that class taught me a lot about the trade-off between time and money or just time in general and always having a choice between what you spend your time doing 
and and there's always going to be an opportunity cost to the choice that you make and so a lot of times you start to learn early on where especially in college where social life is huge right you want to always have that social life and every time you choose to enjoy that you're taking away from some of the growth that you could have and so you have to know vote both ways when you're choosing to spend your time uh, listening to a podcast like this for instance or reading a book uh, and trying to grow your knowledge and, and grow into the direction that you want and learn about where it is that you want to go you had to learn that you were giving up something and you had to be okay with that and I think that's kind of where it started to narrow for me and realize that eliminating things and focusing on where was you know the things that other people who I saw as successful were doing focusing on that is where I felt like I was going to make my most impact for myself yeah I totally agree with that and I think that's like such a different sort of mind shift the way you look at time because you know whenever people are saying oh I don't have time to like read books about leadership or whatever um I think of podcasts and I literally think I know for a fact that you are probably driving to and from work every day, twice a day, in traffic. And instead of listening to this awesome music, which we all love to do, two times, can you give up even 10 minutes of that? You know, like there are things that you don't even really make a decision about, but you have to kind of look back at your life. And so was that kind of like more post-grad that you started thinking that way or was that just kind of all along? So it was, like I said early on, it was macro. So whenever I was a freshman at UTA, I had a sign above my desk that said, learn something today. And to me, that just meant learn anything. Even if it's one thing, I have to leave every single day knowing that I had a new piece of information that I did not have prior to that day. And I think... It, that just became something that was internalized and I, it's not something I typically really even think about or have posted anywhere anymore, but it's something that I do now just naturally. So I do listen to podcasts and audiobooks whenever I'm driving um, in traffic and it's great. It's almost like bonus time. It's like I have to do this traffic, but I can learn something at the same time. This is a win-win. Um, yeah. and you're bored anyway. Right. So. And exactly. Yeah. You're bored. And um, I, I, my first job post-grad, actually, there was, I worked in a mattress store. So I sold mattresses. And so you don't have any customers 24-7. You're sitting around, you're waiting for people to come in. And then you take advantage and you learn to sell to that customer when they come in, right? So all of my coworkers would figure out ways to get around the firewall so that they could watch YouTube and Netflix all day. And, uh... I just never saw that as a productive use of my time because I didn't see that as a place that I wanted to be for the rest of my life. So for myself, I, I downloaded uh, things like lynda.com that is now LinkedIn Learning. And I had classes that I took every single day to learn how to do things that interest me, whether that was uh, you know, Photoshop or just different creative programs that were available. Um, I learned and I had fun doing it as well. Uh, but I learned during those hours where we would just sit there waiting for customers, whereas everyone else was, they were just more interested in entertaining themselves to pass the time. And I mean, like, why do you, like, why do you think that's a thing? I, I felt the same way as well when, you know, I, when I walk into the office, 
I'm in the zone, you know, like this is not fun time. I'm not here for fun. These are not really my friends, you know, like I'm here to do something and make something happen. This is career time. That's literally what I thought. I thought everybody yeah. thought that, but you know, and so whenever people just like, like to fart around or, you mm -hmm. know, just watch cat videos all day, I literally couldn't relate. Why do you think that's a thing? Like, I don't know. It's not like somebody told us, hey, you should probably not do what they're doing. <laughs> I think know? there's a multitude of reasons that go into that, whether it be family background and not actually a lot of times uh, for uh, lack of a better, just this is just my view, but a lot of people didn't have the um, the push from their, their parents. There's a lot of things were handed to them and they didn't really feel that they needed to work to get what they wanted um and i think it, it breeds kind of a, a laziness that unfortunately millennials have become known for and we had a, you know a generation of parents that were able to uh you know be a, in a new place in their generation that that wasn't what the generation before them was in war and all of that they were able to be home and have entertainment and you know do things like go to movies and spend time with friends and they they were a kind of I guess babied and they ended up babying us a, a little bit. And there's a lot of different reasons for, on a personal level why people, I think, uh, lean towards that type of a mindset. Uh, but I think that's how it's always been for, I think there's always been a minority that is focused and, and, and really, really focuses on growth in their lives. And I, and I don't think it's really been that different throughout time. I just think you've got to find those who have the same goals and, and mindset as you do and kind of a latch on to them. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree. Um, that was tough for me as well. Like knowing that this is not the way most people feel and think. They're not, apparently, you know, not everyone is coming into the office every day trying to crush it and learn and grow like a little rocket you know some people are just literally thinking i'm here for the nine to five and so when you're trying to kind of like learn your way throughout the corporate mud or you know figure out okay how can i stand out it can be tough because you aren't you are the exception yeah. you're and you're not, also punished you know, for it i would say i would say a lot of times you are Right. You are looked at as someone who's disingenuine and and not, uh, and just not a a personable person for being focused on work when coming to work, and I think that's something like you can't relax, or, right? You know? Yeah, like that's the I think yeah. the there's a cultural difference definitely that I see in my office, whereas you know the boomers are more along the lines of making a friend with every single person in the office and and it's more relationship based to be in the office uh whereas the millennial focus is oh, i've got to eat <laughs> we don't really have the exact same economy that we had prior you know if i ever want to buy a house i've got to be on my game and so i've uh you kind of see a little bit of side eye i think for being a being a focused millennial uh but i don't think anyone should ever let that discourage them from from looking at the the office culture and the situation and choosing every day versus a culture of you know i would for lack of a better term unfocusedness to be focused mm -hmm. and so like if you let's say for people who are listening that are thinking what the heck are they talking about like 
what do you mean it's not always looked upon great? What are they saying? If someone has no idea what you're talking about, how being ambitious isn't always a positive thing when others see that happening, um, can you kind of like break that down in a nutshell, like very simple terms? Yeah, so uh, you're, you're told to play the game. You're told to be tactful. An example for me this is one of the first weeks that an office job, I understood how the technology worked and I thought, hey, this should be able to do this for our clients. And I was told that's just not well, something we do. Stop trying to change the world. Literally that quote, stop trying to change the world. It's my first week at the job. Just go out and sell. Cool. Yeah, just go out and sell what <laughs> yeah. we have. And that was, I mean, I almost quit that day. Uh, I'm glad I didn't because... Because you were frustrated right. and just like... Right, because okay, there's now a what? there's always going to be a a way that is monotonous and is focused on what it, how it's always been and change. You have to realize change a lot of times is detrimental to the roles of some people in your office, and typically it's going to be the people who are above you. And so, if you're bringing in change, a lot of times that could ruffle some feathers, and people could fear for their jobs or. Um, they could think that you're a try hard or whatever the issue is they're going a lot of times it's not always positive right it's not positive <laughs> right. and, yeah um, and so the the flip side of that is the I've learned in most scenarios past middle management as long as you can tie in the changes and the goals that you have for the company to the bottom line uh, in the bigger picture Typically, those who are in more of a visionary position, CEOs, presidents, they're gonna, uh, they're gonna be a lot more receptive than, kind of in the middle of the road, middle management. That might have been a little bit off of, off the of topic, but I just felt like that's something that definitely has to be said. Uh, and I think understanding, the organizational culture of every single office is something that, can make or break. Uh, your career. I think to answer your previous question about why some people end up uh, in that mode where they just kind of come in and they just uh, do it, do the, go through the motions, do the nine to five and, you know, clock in, clock out. They don't a lot of times know the organizational culture of their uh, organizational structure of their office. So a lot of times they don't know really who does what and and how that relates to them and how they can leverage those different positions to get to where they want to go yeah (laughs) yes and so like what would you suggest to someone who is like oh well I am a you know I don't know I'm a content creator and I'm in the marketing creative department what does that have to do with me it doesn't matter right so like what would you suggest and who does this apply to and and what yeah, I would say it applies to everyone in every single position. Uh, a couple of things that I would suggest, get an org chart of your company early on, learn. So what's an org chart? Yeah. You know, what so you when mean? you get hired, uh, there should be a, some type of an organizational tree that shows every single person um, and where they stand and who they report to and uh, who are their counterparts. And 
understand what their roles are and then once you understand what their roles are you'll understand more of how the machine works and when you understand how the machine works you'll understand how to use the machine uh to your advantage and so uh, something that helped me again we all stand on the shoulders of giants all of this stuff just comes from books that i've read pretty much so there's a book that i have called C- what the ceo wants you to know and basically it takes a guy who is an a uh fruit cart who owns a fruit cart and he knows exactly the margins, he knows exactly how much inventory he has, he knows exactly how his fruit cart works to get him the food and the money that he needs to take care of his family every single day, pushing this cart down the street. Well, they're able to relate that same message to how a multi-million dollar corporation runs. And if you can understand how a multi-million dollar corporation runs on the level of something as simple as how a fruit cart works, then you can understand how your company works, and then you can then leverage the different parts of that company to get to where you want to go within it. Yes, Uh, I love that. I mean, so when it comes to an org chart and hierarchy and bureaucracy, I feel like a lot of the younger generation, me included, you know, we kind of like despise it. And I used to just hate the whole idea of it. Like, you know, we need a flat structure. Everyone should be equal. Why is your idea better than mine? Why do you get to, you know, tell me what to do? Whatever. But I think that there's so much more opportunity if you totally flip that. And once I figured that out, I mean, you need to know these things. Maybe even if it doesn't apply to you, but if you want to have a multi-million dollar company, then you're going to have one of these too. And that is so important. And that's like, uh, you know, something that is like hard to put your thumb on, but the structure of an organization is huge. Yeah, and not even, and it affects not even if you just want to own a multi-million dollar company, but more so, what if you just want to have a life that you enjoy and you don't want to feel like you're you know, selling your soul or, you know, hating yourself for going into work every day and you're miserable. Or do anything besides what you're doing right Right. now. Literally, I think you should know about what an org chart is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, okay. Let's say like, as you're moving along and you're learning and you're um, figuring out these things, was there anyone that you like looked up to, especially? Was it like the leaders at your company or was it outside people you read about or did you have a mentor like who inspired you i think uh it depends on which different job we're speaking up to but at certain places uh i would find the first person who was the most successful and i would just shadow them whether they knew it or not i was trying to learn little bits of information and i come from a sales environment so this is something that's pretty uh, common especially in a retail sales space but being able to pick up the tricks of the trade from the best person in the office, the best salesperson in the office, the person who's in the role that you want to be in, just learning what it is that actually makes it work for them. And then learning how you can take that and make it into something that works for you. And that might be something you, you intentionally go out and ask for, or it might be something that you just kind of do on the slide. Uh, that's up to you. And that's up to the culture of your company. But at the end of the day, uh, there were people who in both roles so i had mentors that um, knew they were my mentors and mentors who didn't know they were my mentors uh (laughs) you're just like clinging to them yeah Uh that's what i did yeah Yeah, for sure Uh, but really there's really nothing i I hate to say there's nothing that a mentor can directly teach you it's just going to have to be something that you kind of absorb by osmosis of being around them versus 
just being something that they're gonna say that you're gonna remember forever because it's typically not how that works oh my gosh i i like i have to stop you because yes yes your mentors okay so everyone emphasizes find a mentor find great mentors yes do that but the other part that i didn't know about okay and realized was that they can only tell you so much and i'm pretty sure i drove my mentors crazy you know because as you're bumbling around trying to do all this stuff and accomplish all these things and pitch ideas and be a go-getter uh things are coming up that you don't know how to handle all the time and so what i would do was go straight to my mentors and say uh this happened what do i do and there'd be times where they just kind of leave me hanging and that was a bit stressful so i think that's so important it's the second half that's yeah so i would say they could become a crutch and the the other thing is i don't think you should formalize it more times than not the most i got out of mentors was informal it was just people who i considered and and quickly i think you should not become a subordinate of your mentor i think you should very quickly put yourself on the same level as your mentor because that kind of mentor mentee relationship could be detrimental uh it could make them maybe not want you around as much if you're badgering them 24 7 and or if you they you know they just feel like it's taking away from their day-to-day that what they have to get done but more so if you're able to just be inquisitive about what it is they have going on and you want to just learn more and be around and be at their events and do the things that they do and just be there you'll get the mentorship and i think you'll get it stronger than if you were to say hey you're my mentor i'm gonna follow you around i need to ask you questions whenever i have something going on that's you know what pertains to me i think that's almost a selfish way to go about it uh whereas if you just are around them it would work way better and then you can do things that they need it's definitely more natural and you can be an assistant of what they need done and you help them do the things that they need to get done and then that's someone who's always going to be there whenever you're wanting to switch companies or you're wanting to get a friend a job or whatever it is you want to do uh that's how that is going to be able to work right and i think that's so important too because i've had people to ask me like literally like hey will you be my mentor and i'm thinking what you know like that's just not a thing y'all so you have to it's it's kind of hard because <laughs> especially if you have if you want someone that's a really good mentor they're going to be usually the hardest to kind of get their time because they're busy doing awesome stuff and the last thing they need is to go and have a little tag along everywhere yeah. that they go asking questions. I would say the yeah. they're going to be not, I would, I would almost disagree with that because of the fact that they are going to be the hardest to get their time if you go up to them and say, I want to be mentored by you. However, if you just go to their things and you go to their events and you just help them out and you see what it is that you learn, what it is that they're trying to accomplish in whatever project they have going on and you figure out how you can help and be a part of that that goal then all of a sudden you're in there and you didn't have to ask anything you just you just did and you helped and uh, and i think like to encapsulate that it's you have to give as much as you're getting out of it and at first i think uh i have no idea how i can be beneficial to this vp of our company because i know like nothing and i'm a big ball of confusion but you got to figure that out real quick so just 
do anything you can and think of literally anything to try and add value to their life whether it's I don't know like they're like oh my gosh I have to you know organize all these papers I would say I'll do it for you like how can I help because it's hard to think of ways that you can kind of bring value on your own but you've got to do it that's so important and that's how the authentic you know long-term strong kind of relationships come about. i think you touched on a great point you said i don't think i have anything to give but time is always there so even if you don't have anything to give if you can free up some of their time you're giving something so just just be hands and and be a body for them and, and and help move things off of their plate and then you're giving without even having anything to give so to kind of wrap up the last thing i would say is like you know people when they see your position and their your company i mean it's like right behind you you know they see iHeartMedia, they're like oh i'm gonna work there i want to work there one day and you know, awesome companies sometimes are a bit glamorized, but what people don't realize is to get to that point, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen in between. So what would you suggest to someone who might see that and be like, oh, I want to be like him? What should they be working on right now? So two things. Um, understand what the company actually does before you just think, I see a bunch. This happens all the time with iHeart. They're, they see the iHeart Radio Music Festival. They see the concerts and the cool glitz and glams thing that we do to market the company. And they're like, I want to work there. It's so cool. And I will get reached out to a lot of times before my title was Director of Brand Partnerships. Now I, I understand. But... I would get reached out to with a title that obviously I cannot hire you and secondly I don't know what you want to do and you don't know what you want to do here you need to kind of carve out that that opportunity and know what it is that you want to do at that company and the way to do that is to understand one and you're talking about just to make sure for clarification you're talking about like people would just see on LinkedIn like oh he works at iHeartMedia and they would just send you a message Hey, can I get a job? And right. That's about right. it. Right. Okay. So you know who's hiring. So a lot of times if you see a job posting, the person who posted it is typically the hiring manager. So find their LinkedIn. Find their email. Uh, if you could find anyone's email at the company, then you could actually know what their email signature or their uh, domain is and then use that person's name in the place and then you can send them an email. Uh, and make sure that what, what you're reaching out to is adding value to their day. If they're going to click on your email, they want to see someone who knows exactly what they're coming after, not just, hey, do you have any jobs available? They want to know, hey, I noticed that you had a job posting for this role. Here's how I'm qualified for that role. Here's my resume. And that kills. They're not going to go spend you know, even five minutes of their day to figure out whether or not you're qualified for the positions that they have available. You need to come ready whenever you reach out, whenever you reach out and have a focus in where, what you want to do and an understanding of what that company actually does and then knowing who to reach out to at that company. And so what if, what if, you know, they're thinking, oh, I'm fresh out of college and I've applied at iHeartMedia 17 million times. I have no experience. 
how do I gain experience or, you know, I keep getting rejected. What should they do instead of just twiddling their thumbs in the meantime? So I, the best thing I could do is just tell you my experience, right? So I did apply for iHeartMedia directly out of college and I didn't get a response. Uh, I quickly learned that in order to be able to do the job that I wanted to do, I had to be already doing it a lot. That's a, it's a meme you see everywhere. It's a joke that, you know, people want to hire someone with, five, 10, 20 years experience, fresh out of college. It's like, what, how? Well, we live in the internet age. You can do any job you want on your own. You might not make a ton of money doing it. You might not be super uber successful doing it, but it shows initiative and it shows that you understand what it is that you're doing. So um, I ran a promotion company in college Dallas Nightlife, we did promotions every week and we helped nightclubs get people in. I took that experience and I spoke about it in an interview that is not necessarily the exact same thing. But what it showed the interview, uh, the what it showed the interviewer was that I was able to get up every morning without being told what to do and go and try to make something happen in my day, which is the essence of outside sales, which was the job that I was applying for. And so I was able to get the job without any media experience, learned the media along the way, and then applied some of the things that I learned through that entrepreneurial venture, as well as the sales job that I had was successful at before, I was able to pair that into something that looked like a good candidate for the for the job that I applied for without even having any media experience. And I, I really love that story because not only, okay, so you applied, got rejected, and instead of saying next, you know, onto Google, um, instead of just giving up, and instead of picking another similar company, you said, well, I'm just going to make it myself then, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to figure it out. And you created that entire thing on your own. It's not like you even went and worked for another kind of similar company. Like you just didn't take no for an answer. And I love that because that shows that even if you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't get a job anywhere. I mean, that kind of says to me, life is kind of pushing you in the direction where it looks like you have to DIY it, you know, on your own and don't just give up if that's really what you want to do because clearly it paid off for you. And I've seen many times in stories where that's happened. So I love that. Yeah. And I had no idea. It was five years later. It wasn't even something that I had even remembered until after I was already interviewing. And I was like, wait a minute, I applied out of college and I was probably that kid who just shot out some resumes or uh, shot out, filled out something online and just hoped that I got a call back without even knowing what the role entailed. And that's why I didn't get the call back. But I went out and learned a lot about what I want to do and, and what I can do. And I learned that that company was something that was still in my line of sight of where I want to be. And so whenever the, I did have more experience, I was able to call back and, and get the interview. I love that. Roy, thank you so much. This was so jam-packed with really great stuff. I really appreciate you spending your time. Thank you. Thanks so much for being with us today on the Career Fluencer Podcast. I hope you're feeling inspired, energized, and maybe learned a thing or two as well. Hey, before we go, grab your phone and text CAREER to 33777. 
We wanted to make it super easy for y'all to not only connect with us, but to never worry about missing an episode. It's free to do and only takes you two seconds. So right now, text C-A-R-E-E-R career to 33777. And last thing, we'd love your support to help us grow our career influencer community, continue this podcast and inspire more people. So make sure to hit subscribe and rate our podcast, then tell your network about us and tag us on social at careerfluencer so we can thank you. That's all for now. Once again, this is your host, Cynthia Heisch. Stay tuned and I'll see y'all next time on the Career Fluencer Podcast.